0: Sleepy
1: Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide
2: for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the
1: ability to see into dark realms? Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, Sleepy Heads. This is Episode 49 of Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and why do you think he's kept me in here locked up for the years? It's because he wants to know that he can control the both of us.
0: And I'm Barb, and oh, I'm sorry. Am I interrupting? Well, today we're going to be discussing the 12th Sleepy Hollow episode of Season 4, the penultimate episode entitled Tomorrow, which was written by Albert Kim and directed by Mark Roskin. And this was another good one, I think, don't you, Steve?
1: Oh yes, it was absolutely a good one.
0: After the shock of last week I was glad to see that Crane was restored to human form. So but that still leaves us with a lot of speculation for the final episode of the season.
1: Oh indeed it does, cause there is still quite a bit out there that
0: <laughs> Oh yes.
1: Is uh still in play, shall we say? Well let's get into it, Barb. How about a recap?
0: I can do that for you, Steve. In the future, Jenny Mills teaches children about becoming revolutionaries against Malcolm Dreyfus and about fighting back. Her lesson ends, and we see the four horsemen of the apocalypse attacking the revolutionaries. Jenny is captured by the horsemen of war, and Laura Thomas, aka Molly, accuses Jenny of terrorism. Jenny stabs the horseman with the Delilah dagger and then dies but not before Laura briefly sees the face of the horseman and realizes it is her mother, Diana. Curious, she checks the prisons and finds old, scarred, and beaten-down Ichabod Crane. He reminds her she is a witness and tells her she can use a traveler spell to get back to the past and change the future. We flash through her memories and watch Crane again become the Horseman of War, sacrificing himself for Diana. On Malcolm's command, War attacks the two women and Laura stabs him with the dagger. They escape and rendezvous with Jenny, Jake Wells, and Alex Norwood at the vault. The dagger, which still has the Horseman of War's blood on it, is placed next to the jar of black goo, the Sicarius Spee, and Henry Parrish appears, created by Crane's memories. With Henry's help, the team realizes that Crane is still partly human and that there is a chance to bring him back, and they head to Sleepy Hollow to find what they need. Henry is secured in the Masonic cell, and the team heads to the archives, where they find it ransacked. Jenny, Jake, and Alex determine that the Draugr stone was stolen from the archives. Job is using it to bring General William Howe's zombie hessians back to life and to charge the Headless Horseman's axe as a totem. He then releases them to destroy Sleepy Hollow. Meanwhile, Diane and Laura go to August Corbin's cabin, find the spellbook, and Laura crosses over to the transformation chamber to save Crane. As the Horseman of War attacks her, she reminds Crane of their bond and that they are witnesses, and he breaks free, exclaiming, Yes, we are! He defeats the Horseman and holds Laura, as a bright light flashes and sends her back to the arms of her mother. Jenny, Jake, and Alex are fighting the zombies with Greek fire, but have run out of ammo and are now surrounded. Suddenly, the Horseman of War arrives and kills the remaining zombies, saving the team. It is Crane and he is now restored to human form. Finally, Job informs Dreyfus that Crane was freed and is no longer the horseman of war. Job has found a new host to become this horseman, Crane's son, Henry Parrish, the rightful host of the horseman of war. Ooh, Yeah. wonder how he got out of that Masonic cell. <sighs> hmm. uh,
1: Job had something to do with it, I that's think, for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you're right. So, Steve, before we get into a discussion on this great episode, what kind of news do we have?
1: All right. Well, we have some rating news. Episode 10, Insatiable, The Live Plus 7 Day is in. And guess what? We were first in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, going from a 0.4 to a 0.9 for an increase of 125%. Woohoo! And we were third in viewers percentage gain, going from 1.739 to 3.088 million viewers for an increase of 78%. And
0: that That's was episode 10, and even it wasn't the shocker of last fine. week. <laughs> Ooh, yeah.
1: Yes, and the final ratings for The Way of the Gun was a 0.4 and one share in 18 to 49 with 1.88 million viewers. I am sure that is going to be well over three million when we get the live plus sevens, and for this episode tomorrow, preliminary ratings: a zero point five and two share in eighteen to forty nine, and two point zero one million viewers.
0: Nice, nice jump.
1: Yes, some fans are coming back apparently. Or as we're picking well, picking up they... viewers that were watching some other shows.
0: Yeah, and as well, they should.
1: Yes. Now, we do have a couple of other news items. Albert Kim tweeted on Saturday, as far as Sleepy Hollow Season 5, no official word one way or the other. So all of you know as much as we do.
0: And I don't think that's surprising. I mean, they're going to wait till May. No.
1: Yes, they will. And also, we've added a link to the Renew Sleepy Hollow Season 5 petition on our Facebook page. And a big thanks to Sleepy Hollow Addict, who began the petition. So, use the link and sign the petition so we can get another awesome season of Sleepy Hollow.
0: Yeah, we've talked about how important the social media engagement is that the networks are actually beginning to look at this. And so, with all the tweeting that everyone is doing, the petition, sending positive emails to Fox to tell them uh, how much you enjoy it, don't make it a generic one, make it a personal one. These are the kinds of things that are going to help sway anyone who may still have doubt in their mind that this show needs a season five.
1: Yes. And with as great a season as this has been so far, there no doubt in my mind we need another season, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, this
0: has been on a, uh, on a par with season one, if not even in some cases better than season one. I think that last week's episode was probably the best episode ever of Sleepy Hollow.
1: And I can't argue that point. <laughs> Shall we get into ratings?
0: Let's do that. So, Steve, what did you give this one?
1: I gave it nine and a half Delilah Daggers.
0: Very nice. And I gave it nine new cell phones and earrings that I've been asking for. Julie G. gave it nine Crystal chrysalises. Justina gave it 10 out of 10 Sons Crane Chose to Remember. And Annette gave it 8.5 Greek Fires. So I think that all in all, folks, we're pretty pleased with this episode.
1: It sure looks that way. Yeah.
0: So, Steve, let's just jump right into it, and uh, let's start off with Team Witness.
1: All right, good old Ichabod, and we flash to the future, and we do see Crane being held in prison as Laura comes to visit to find out if he's still alive, and Crane is very adamant about not letting Dreyfus take her history and her family. And he informs her that it was Dreyfus who turned her mother into the horseman of war. And of course, he says they always wanted to protect her and help her grow as the witness, and that Dreyfus wants to control both of them, which, yeah, he's got control of both witnesses. He doesn't have any issues.
0: You know, it was interesting that he wasn't a little bit more crazed than he appeared, because if you are locked up, all by yourself, in a prison, basically in solitary confinement for... what? How old are we going to guess that she is? That maybe it's 15 years in the future, roughly? I
1: believe so, yeah.
0: That he isn't a little bit more crazy. I mean, clearly he's been tortured. He saw We saw the scar across his head. And when he saw her, he seemed to try and ground himself back in reality, I thought. I thought that's yes. the way he played it.
1: Yes, he really did. And it was, I guess, the... Count of Monte Cristo was more of a look than an an attitude. I mean, yes, when he first sees her in there, he does get a little frantic, but he grounds himself, like you said, very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. It took them four hours to put that makeup on him to make him look yes, <laughs> disheveled old Monte Cristo Crane. Ish.
1: Now, of course, he tells Molly that there is a way that she can change the past by using the Traveler spell and tells her exactly where it's at and what book it's in and that she needs to go back and save her mother because she wants to run off and hide and Crane tells her, no, that's not going to work. The horsemen will always find us. So let's go back in the past and save your mother and let's go from there.
0: Which was very good advice on his part.
1: Yes, it was. They would have had no chance fighting in that timeline. Agree. So as we um, flash back to the present and we revisit the final moments of um, Ichabod being Crane, he rises from the ground and he does have the armor on.
0: Yes. And you were right. I was wrong. (laughs) Cause I thought he was turning into um, a a tweener type situation, which he kind of did, but I thought he was, Kind of dissolving into the earth, but yep, he sure did have right. that armor on.
1: It was the armor that we saw at the end of last episode. And basically, War is told to kill Diana and Laura, and we get to see the patented Jenny Mills move of jumping onto something high and attacking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Except it as wasn't... Laura
1: jumps Except... off a yeah. tree and is able to stab the horse. And he bled. Yes, he did. And we go, mm-hmm. he's not completely uh, transformed yet, as we thought. And so as they figure out that good old Mrs. Crane was uh, trying to do a separation spell to uh, bring back Abraham from Headless, they do that for Crane.
0: Yeah, they just had to find Katrina's book and the spell. Right.
1: And so Laura shows up and she finds him in this container, shall we say, as the Avatar of War is trying to basically tear Crane down mentally so that he can put him back together as the Horseman of War.
0: Yeah, I thought it was rather interesting because when you think, for example, of a butterfly, a butterfly. First, it's a caterpillar, kind of an ugly little caterpillar in a plain cocoon, and then emerges with beautiful color. And here we had this chamber that he was in. I couldn't tell if it was hexagonal or octagonal, but here he's in this chamber that has all these beautiful colors in it. And then he's going to become this ugly looking horseman of war. So it, it was almost as if it was kind of turned on its end in a way. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Very nice analogy there. <laughs> And of course, all of a sudden you hear this, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And sure enough, the Avatar of War shows up and starts attacking Laura. She reminds him of their bond as witnesses. And just as War is about to run her through, Crane goes, yes we are. He pops up, he grabs the arm of War and runs his sword right through him.
0: And I thought that In that moment, Crane looked about as fierce as I think we've ever seen him look.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think that in that moment, he knew, hey, look, I lost one witness. I lost Abby. I'm not going to lose another one.
1: Yep. I think that definitely was his motivation, and that was the one thing he needed to hear. Get that anchor and toss it out there, and that brought him out as faster than anything. And then, of course, he holds Laura as... She uh, has been injured by the Horsemen of War, at least in his psyche.
0: Kind of like Harry Potter, when Harry Potter kind of died and, and Dumbledore was there with him in the white light in, um, what, King's Cross Station.
1: Right. Yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he reminds her that she will never be alone, like always. And he's still got uh, something he wants to do while he has use of the power of the horseman for one final deed and we see Laura pop back into Diana's arms and for the episode ends as Jenny Jake and Alex are being surrounded by the zombies after the they dispatched the first wave but the second wave was about to take them out horseman takes all of them out it falls off the horse, starts to stumble, and the armor disappears, and it is Crane. They freed his spirit. He was able to use what little bond to the horseman he had to control him so he could save the rest of the team, but he can still faintly hear its call, so it was not destroyed.
0: No, and I think that's going to have meaning as we go into the 13th episode.
1: Yes, it will.
0: I think I saw on Twitter some folks were disappointed that they didn't see more of Crane, or that they just saw the armor, and that was a stunt man in the armor that was not Tom Mice. And at least from what right. I read on Twitter, <laughs> it looked hot. But this was definitely an episode where they had to have Laura kind of find her way, and so I think that next week it's going to be very, very heavy Crane.
1: Oh, absolutely, it yeah. will. Yes, yeah. It it was. I won't say it was disappointing because we actually do see Crane as war. But of course, in the future, it's Diana. And yeah, I think a lot of people kind of felt like tomorrow was basically going to be more of the future than just the opening first quarter of the episode. But it made sense that you had to see what it was like and what got Laura to come back to save everybody.
0: Absolutely, because now we know the future's changing again, and it's changing with every move that happens from here on out.
1: Exactly. So we
0: could only see that from what her perspective was at that time. Yes. Yeah.
1: All right, how about Miss Jenny?
0: Well, speaking of the future, that is how we opened the episode after all, and that was with Jenny, and here she is. She's definitely older. You can tell it's a much bleaker, plainer world. I really like the way that the production staff You know, writers, directors, everyone kind of used this, these darker colors and more muted look for this dystopian future that we had. And anyway, so here's Jenny, and she's teaching a class of children about evil Dreyfus in the future. She's basically teaching them to be revolutionaries and to fight back and to not give up so that they're not brainwashed by whatever learning that they're getting in school currently. And you can see the age in her face, and you can see that she has scars also, that she's, a veteran of a few battles, which should not come as a surprise.
1: No, not at all. And a couple of those children were some that provided some of the uh, input to this episode. That they did actually make it into uh, those, those scenes.
0: Ah, very nice. And let's not rat any of them out, since I'm sure they
1: no, they signed we're an not NDA. Names. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we're not giving names.
0: <laughs> but anyway, that was very exciting to see. And the lesson was. If you talk about freedom, the riders will come. So obviously the horsemen. And very interesting, uh, means that, that I guess that Job and Malcolm are using whatever psychic abilities that they have to send the horsemen out to suppress any uprisings and any revolution, or any revolutionaries that are trying to put him down.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, class was dismissed and they had a code black. Is that show on Fox, code black, or is that on another station? I thought it was interesting they called out Code Black. Right. But anyway, Jetty starts pulling weapons out of a hidden closet because all four of the horsemen are coming. So the first thing she pulls out, of course, is Crane's crossbow, which she still has, which I think is wonderful.
1: Absolutely was.
0: The next strange-looking little device with the two kind of crown-type heads on either end of the what appeared to be a long, hollow tube is called a Vajra, per an Albert Kim tweet, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then she pulled out a gun and a dagger for herself. She and her troops, all the folks that come running out, they're absolutely overwhelmed. The four horsemen are just, they're mounted, they're riding. We know they're powerful and immortal, and they're taking these revolutionaries on. And so when she pulls out this Vajra that has this lightning-type strike that's striking one of the other horsemen, then she gets whacked by the horsemen of war from behind, knocked unconscious. And when she wakes up, Laura is hitting her and says that everything, Jenny says that everything that Laura has been told is a lie. And Laura says, you know, this isn't true. You are you guys are terrorists. You all are the ones that were responsible for all my unhappiness. And you all need to be stopped. And she's getting ready to kill Jenny. And Jenny says, I don't think you can do it. And so she takes that momentary pause and she grabs her Delilah's dagger. She stabs the horseman of war with it. And then the Horseman of War then promptly runs her through and she dies. And everybody was just screaming, I think, at that point in time, right? No, no, don't kill Jenny. (laughs) Unfortunately, we don't think that's a future that will happen, or at least it's been changed at this point in time, because then we go back to the present time. And Jenny is there and she's researching how to help Crane in the vault. You know, once Diana and Laura have escaped Crane Horseman of War. Because their number one priority was to save Crane. And when the alarm goes off in the vault again, Banneker's security system, they turn around and there's Henry Parrish, Jeremy Crane, just kind of smiling, standing there smiling at him.
1: Oh, am I interrupting anything? <laughs> I know.
0: But I got to ask the question, are all these guys deaf? Because they had Laura running around through the vault last episode and nobody heard her. Right. And then here, the glass breaks. I mean, okay, you got a big room, high ceilings. That thing's going to echo folks. Then no one even turned around. (laughs) Hello? They weren't that far away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but all right, hand wave. But of course, Jenny is so completely skeptical of Henry because she knows him. He's not exactly trustworthy. I think she called him the B word, did she not? Yeah, I think think she did too. Yeah. (laughs) But
1: he does provide some. Valid information.
0: He was helpful. Yes, he was. Yes. and He
1: mentions the separation spell that Katrina was going to do on Headless to get Abraham back before she was killed.
0: Exactly. Laura at that point, I think, says, well, gee, Dreyfus raided everything. He took all the books. I've been through them. I've never seen any such thing. And Jenny says, no, no one would have ever seen the book because Crane kept... Katrina's possessions at their old place in Sleepy Hollow. And I'm going road trip. Here we go. Yes, (laughs) Yep. One more time. We're back to Sleepy Hollow. So then, and this is where, and we started getting so many wonderful callbacks to things that we've seen. Yes. And certainly one of the great ones when was back down in the Masonic cell and Jenny puts up all of her symbols and her runes and there's the circle and Henry's in the middle of the circle because Hey, if it was strong enough to hold the headless horseman, once it certainly should be enough to uh, restrain uh, Henry, right? Yep. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'll learn. Well, that soon it
1: it probably held Henry if Job just interfered with it.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. But it was so nice to see that again because we haven't seen that for our, what one, at least one season now. Yes. And. Lo and behold, when they head over to the archives, the place has been completely trashed.
1: Yes. and That was very surprising.
0: (laughs) That was, too. And I thought about that. And while Job is probably the one who went through and trashed the place, I have to think in a way that maybe that's perhaps that's a way of the writer saying that the archives are behind us now, that we've moved on to the vault. That's the new place. And right. so this this is going to be closed. We're going to close the chapter on the archives.
1: Right. Very true. Uh, this probably was the way to say goodbye to Sleepy Hollow by yeah. trashing the archives.
0: Yes. And so then she realizes that some of the most dangerous magical items in their possession are are gone. So she says, OK, Jake, Alex, stay behind. You help me figure out what's missing. And that's where we got some nice callbacks. Yes. So she had the Thracian file which was from season 1 episode 8 Necromancer. She had the Jinkin venom which was from season 2 episode 7 Deliverance and then we saw the egg of Asajj which was from season 2 episode 12 Paradise Lost. So we were reminded of all these things that crane and abby had done together and the and jenny and the cases that they had solved and sometimes holly and and sometimes joe right and so i think that was a nice little callback to see some of those items but what jenny determines they're missing is the draugr stone which was from season three episode five dead men tell no tales which was of course the bones crossover the halloween special and this is a norse artifact that can raise the undead and it's like it's
1: zombie time zombie
0: time <laughs> <laughs> and jenny knows that said it was headless yeah the horsemen of death used to command an elite group of hessians um you know good old general howe at one point though and they drowned when washington sank their boat in the hudson now that's twistery there but that's okay anyway right. they were on their way to launch the attack on sleepy hollow which we saw back in season three so jenny said okay she knows what They need to take them out. They need Greek fire because that's what they all used back then. So we have, of course, that Greek fire in the projectile form that we saw earlier this season in Episode 5 in Blood from a Stone when Dreyfus's former partner, Ansel, tried to destroy Dreyfus Industries. So Jenny basically hands it over to Jake and Alex, tell them they're going zombie hunting and that they have to make every shot count because they've only got a limited amount of this stuff. And yeah,
1: it was very interesting that Jenny basically had a little pep talk with him saying, You guys can do this. I have faith in you and make sure you watch each other's back.
0: Well, and I don't know that she was doing it so much as I'm gonna be leaving you, that kind of discussion again. I right. think that she did it more as helping them get over the shock of what they had just had by being held captive by Job and Dreyfus kind of like the way, you
1: know,
0: and look here in the future, she was training the children. Hey, this is what you can do. I'm going to train you. I'm going to continue to train you and lead you. That's the thing that Jenny has been doing so well this season. She's been training people to fight. right? And I think that that's still what she was doing here with Alex and Jake, that she went back into that mode. And I think she remembered how agree, scary the zombies yeah. were the first time around,
1: right? And she she makes the the comment that yeah they just barely beat them. Yes. So yeah, it's she's not a hundred percent sure that they're going to come out in one piece in in this. So I think she was definitely trying to make sure that they had each other's back just in case.
0: And she was right because they ran out of Greek fire. Yes. And they were attacked by the second wave of the Hessian zombies, they were surrounded and then they were saved. Yes. (laughs) And that was so awesome. And Jenny was so delighted to see Crane's face again. Oh, yes. (laughs) Lindy Greenwood, the joy that she portrayed on Jenny's face was a tangible thing. You just really felt like, oh, they could just give each other a great big bear hug, shake each other back and forth and, you know, for days and mean it. Right. It was, it was was extremely well played.
1: Yes. And it also was well done that she's the first one there, the first one to see his face and the first one to say something to him.
0: Yeah. I thought that was nice. Yes. But this episode, let's face it, this was an episode that was really about Laura and her backstory and really becoming part of Team Witness.
1: Oh, it absolutely was. And we get to see what Dreyfus has done to her. She basically grew up being shipped from home to home, being miserable and lonely. And she tried to find her father, but Dreyfus made sure he went MIA. And it wasn't until she got to the very lowest point in her life that Dreyfus actually popped up to rescue her.
0: And that says so much about What a manipulating jerk that he is, because he did this to a child.
1: Exactly. And he waited until she was a teenager to basically come knocking on her door. Yeah,
0: I'm guessing he probably, she was 11, so he probably waited about two years until she was 13 to make sure that she was completely and utterly miserable. She felt alone. A girl going through that age, you know, between 12 and 14, usually goes through all kinds of angst anyway. Right. And so he really, he really played it. Yeah,
1: I mean, he basically tore Molly down almost as much as the Avatar of War was trying to tear Crane down. And what he did to Crane by locking him up, you know, he wanted both witnesses just under his complete control. And when we see Laura show up after the uh, raid on Jenny's compound, you basically see that because she's standing up for Dreyfus and calling Jenny a terrorist, basically.
0: She did call her a terrorist. Yeah. And basically said, this is all your fault. So it must have been quite a spin that he put on that tail to make her think that Crane and Jenny and her mother just, were, all, were all behind this. And that just her mother died or, desert, you know, died, deserted her, you know, whatever.
1: Right. Everybody abandoned her when both Crane and Diana had told her she would never be alone.
0: And that she was special.
1: Yes. And fortunately, the Horseman of War takes Jenny out before Molly can because you really get the feeling that she was ready to pull that trigger.
0: I'm not sure, and I actually wondered what were the bad things that Dreyfus had her do, if she really had ever killed anyone or not.
1: True. It's very possible that she could have gone that far to the dark side to actually have done some of his bidding.
0: Well, he would have wanted her there to uh, seal her soul with the devil,
1: right? And that might come back.
0: Yes, <laughs> we might it? see
1: something about that. Uh,
0: it, it might in the
1: next episode. She
0: still has that mark on uh, on her arm.
1: Yes, she does. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, Jenny, of course, gets that one swipe with the knife before she's taken out, and it exposes part of the helmet of war in which. Molly sees it is Diana.
0: And I got to say that threw me for a moment because of course we had just watched Crane turn Become into more, right. into the horsemen. and I so I expected to see Crane without really thinking oh no wait a minute this is what Laura saw and this is what triggered her to come back like okay. Right. Yeah.
1: And of course when she goes to talk to Dreyfus he basically denies everything that he never said anything about her mother and when Laura asks if the prisons are empty. He says, "Oh, sure they are. Then nothing to worry about."
0: Yeah, but he he messed up in a major way.
1: Oh, absolutely he did.
0: Cuz he said, "Oh, cuz he he mentioned her mother when she, and she's like, "I didn't say anything about my mother." Oh, well, I've heard right. I've heard all those lies. Yeah. yeah and then that, he hugged her and every, and Twitter went nuts and they said, "Don't let that pedophile touch her." <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So of course, Laura goes on the investigation to um Determine if he's telling the truth, which of course he's not, because she finds a very old and disheveled crane and realizes that her entire life since Dreyfus uh, found her has been a lie. And it was interesting that she, her first instinct was to get Crane and go hide. Now, I'm not sure what that was going to get her because they would have been on the run for the rest of their lives. But fortunately, Crane says, no, you need to travel back in time. There is a spell book, The Grand Grimoire, which, of course, we saw in Season 2, Episode 15, The Spellcaster, and in Season 2, Episode 18, in Tempest Fugate. And she does find it in Malcolm's library and recites the spell, which." was in Latin, so during this time she's able to learn Latin, and so it makes me feel like more than likely she has done spells before.
0: I would guess so, too, and I think that Dreyfus... Is where the
1: bad part occurs.
0: Yeah, I think that Dreyfus allowed her to use all the books that he had gotten from the archives, from the vault, all the places that he had them, Anything that had to do with witchcraft, witchcraft or sorcery, because, of course, that's always linked with the devil, with Satan. And he probably removed anything that discussed witnesses. Uh, For example, I'm sure there wasn't a Bible anywhere in his library. No, And he allowed her to practice magic and maybe even dark magic to the extent that she could. Right. Yeah.
1: And, of course, she opens the portal. Dreyfus shows up and tries to stop her. He was going to shoot her. Oh, yeah. He had no intention of letting her live.
0: Yeah, daddy dearest my foot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, um uh, she does make it out without getting shot and we s- go back to the moment in time where Crane becomes the horseman. We get to see the awesome move of Laura running halfway up the tree and then kicking off and diving at the horseman. She's able to stab him with the dagger which Draws blood, it penetrates the armor, and Diana and Laura escape. Now, of course, this just freaks Diana completely out. And so, as soon as they're in the vehicle, she's calling young Molly, who's still at her friends for the sleepover. It hasn't even gotten to the evening of that day yet. And of course, she wants to go get Molly, but Laura tells her no. Laura says that Dreyfus will not get Molly for years and kind of gives Diana the uh, cliff notes version of her life after Diana was reported dead and that she was miserable. There was no soccer. There was no art. It was just a horrible life. And yes, there was a lot of anger and bitterness and she was alone because their mother wasn't there, and Crane wasn't either, and both of them told her that she would never be alone. So you see, her still saying, "Well, Dreyfus was her father," and poor Diana, that just broke her heart to hear her say that.
0: But it would have been so true.
1: Yes, it was.
0: Teenager Molly becoming Laura would have been very impressionable, and so if he did want, if Dreyfus did want to change her name to something else to Laura then that would make sense. She would want to shed the name that to her meant pain and right. take on the name that this father figure wanted to bestow upon her, something that would mean something to him. Right. But I thought the car, the, the two car conversations between Laura and Diana were so perfect because of the awkwardness of them right, and the realness of them and the way that Laura would not look at Diana that in some cases she was ashamed and that she was hurt. Of course, Diana was driving. She kind of had to keep her eyes on the road anyway. But Right. just you could hear the hesitation, the hesitation and the pain, and it made it very real, but at least they were communicating with each other.
1: Right. And that was the important thing that Laura needed to hear, that Diana didn't just leave her. She wouldn't have never left her. And so they do find out that Crane is... Not completely the Avatar of War because there's blood on the dagger. Still flesh and blood on the inside. And then they get to take another little road trip up to Corbin's cabin. Another nice call out from previous seasons. We do get to see the cabin again. Diana actually is the one that finds the uh, chest that has the spell book in it. And Diana's gotten real good at being the one that finds the stuff that they're looking for. Well, She's got a knack for it.
0: Yeah, I think in a spell book, probably would have a lot of things in Latin. and would be probably <laughs> fairly easy to differentiate from some of the other books. Right. But, you know, there was but one a- other thing, though, that, that Diana had said to Laura in the car. And that was the important part, was that Laura had survived.
1: Right. Absolutely true.
0: And I think that that helped make... Diana become an anchor for Laura in a way. Right. When she when she does chant the spell that will take her to go try and do exactly the same thing to be an anchor for Crane.
1: Right. And it's interesting that Laura says that the hard part will be to convince the imprisoned soul to come back to our world and Diana goes, "Well, do we need something some piece of clothing?" And Laura goes, "No, you." So it was like, "Yeah," there is a relationship between crane and diana like there is between crane and molly and so it was interesting that she kind of thought that it would be diana being the one that would be the anchor to bring crane back when it was really her
0: yes and it was it was she was laura was the anchor for crane and diana was the new anchor in a way for Laura.
1: Right. And of course she, she recites the spell and we get these great flashbacks of Diana and Crane's brief history together this season and she's arrives in this it was very similar to the Masonic cell except it was much brighter and a little more open but the transformation chamber was all aglow with uh, Crane's thoughts and beliefs and everything just kind of going here, there, and everywhere. But Laura is able to once again reach in and be the anchor Crane needs just in the nick of time. It brings him back to stop the Avatar of War from taking Laura out. And uh, thanks to the bond between them, they are the witnesses.
0: I wonder if she was able to do it because she had done it with him as a child. And, and I wonder if there was something deep inside of her that because they had had that connection once when little Molly brought Crane back from the the black goo, the sicarious right. spy, the Slayer of Hope, little despair. I, I wonder if that's if because she had done it then, that was all the connection that they needed for her then to pull him back again this time, reminding him that they were the witnesses.
1: Right. I believe so. Totally believe that that was because she had done it once and actually tells Crane that she believes that they are the witnesses and is very honest. The way way she said it, you knew she felt it, which is some awesome acting by Seychelles.
0: Yeah, she really did. She did a fantastic job in this episode.
1: Yes, she did. And we get a poof, and Laura goes from Crane's arms to Diana's arms. Now, before she does it, she gives this great line about, not that uh, just chilling in your psyche isn't a bad thing to do. (laughs) I really think she could have just stayed there in his arms and been perfectly happy the rest of her life.
0: You know, it was interesting because she did get cut and she did bleed because then in back in the magic circle, right? Um, she did you know spit up that blood on Diana, yes. which I'm sure just freaked Diana out there. But I wondered as the white light came in to envelop her, I almost wondered for a minute if she was going to die right there in Crane's arms.
1: Right. For a you split second. I know. Yes. I thought, you didn't know.
0: Yeah. I thought, is this what they're going to do to her? I thought, no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you cannot do that. And of course, the first thing she does as soon as she realizes she's back in the cabin is looks at her stomach to see if that cuts there and it's gone. And mm-hmm. says, okay, hey, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm.
0: But then she asked for a few things too.
1: <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so awesome. I know. Cause you feel like Laura is back to being Molly at that point in time.
0: It, it because
1: it, she saved Crane uh-huh. and then she is able to joke with her mom it's like all of a sudden she feels like she's back home so she can be herself again
0: part of the child came back yeah crane's free and and molly really should get that cell phone and her earrings and (laughs) like really (laughs) really you're doing that (laughs) but that was um that was interesting to see
1: yes it was
0: because that's the first hint of any humor in her life in what in what we have seen her
1: Of her life, yes. All right, let's move on to our fearless twosome who still haven't talked.
0: Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) And they may not. You know what? And I'm okay if they don't. I'm not shipping it. I know some folks are. But so we see them in present time in the vault after Diana and Laura escape from the horseman. Jenny's there. And they get to meet not-so-little Molly. (laughs) Which is like, huh, okay. So that was a little interesting for them. And of course that would help ground them a little later on when they see kind of old Henry Parrish as Crane's father. (laughs) It worked out. Nice, nice bookend on that too. Yes. But anyway, so, you know, Alex was looking at, at the, the dagger. She puts it down to the next to the jar of the black goo, which of course was from episode four, the people versus Ichabod Crane. And that was again, the, Zacharias spay the slayer of hope or despair and we all wondered you know whose picture whose face was that now I've got to go back to the the notes because I don't remember I hope I said Henry but I have a feeling I probably didn't <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to pretend right now that I did I told you it was Henry Parrish right um and it the whole thing so they you know again they're part of it too everybody is is ignoring this I think the other thing I thought interesting is why didn't anybody wipe the blood off? But I guess they felt, okay, this is magic blood. It's Crane's blood. Let's keep it here just in case we need it. Right. But anyway, Alex and Jake again played fill in the blank here on, you know, critical pieces of information. Jenny was bringing up the history that she had. These guys were filling in the blanks. They all knew that the compound was near the president's flyover. They know the horseman of death position is still open. They're the ones who found the archives completely trashed. And uh, Jake had a great line about raccoons, which I know you're going to include in the witnessisms later. But Jake realized, hey, look, you know, when, when Jenny says, hey, this is a Draugr stone and it can raise and he's like the dead and he's like, like zombies. And Alex then, when Jenny shows the picture of the stone, Alex then realized that she had seen that drawing when she was a captive at Dreyfus's cabin. So it all fits together, and, and I think right. that's one and of the things Jake
1: that, turns right around. You know, Jake realizes that, yeah, that's what he's he's using that artifact to charge up the um, the axe, the axe, yeah.
0: yes. And that that's the last one is death, and so he realizes, hey, Dreyfus is going to harness the power of the undead with the Strager, and they all knew that. You know, it's got to be someone with strong ties to the Horseman of Death, and I think that's one of the things I like. We Ooh. used to watch. Last season, Jenny and Joe and Abby and Crane all play off of each other, and one person would throw something on the on the table, and the next person would take that theory a little further, and the next person would take the theory a little further and I think that we're seeing the same thing with Jake and Alex and Jenny here. That's exactly the role that they're playing right, so then they know that they have the opportunity to take out the Hessian zombies after. Jenny kind of tells him the history. And, of course, Jake just had to say something, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> and as soon as he said it, I, I thought, uh, <laughs> really? Because, you know, more of them are going to come right over that little rise right. in the hill uh-huh. that y'all yes. are looking at right now. And sure enough, they did.
1: Yes. And Alex told himself.
0: yes, <laughs> she certainly did. <laughs> but, again, you know, they th- I think they played a critical role in helping, you know, fill in the blanks this this was, this episode was not about them. It was about Laura, but right. they were there and they played exactly the kind of role that they had to play. Now, one other thing though, that I thought was funny is that when, when Henry Parrish said to them, Oh, your, your compatriots have been gone for a little, for kind of long. Are you, aren't you worried about them? And, right. and, and, the, and he was basically told, no, they're resetting the security system. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course Jake is yelling again. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> We've all uh, we base we've got it. Stand back! We've got it fixed. It, it's gonna open up. And I, it reminded me of a few episodes ago when he was yelling, trying to yell through the doors. Right, same thing. And I thought he's, he's not learning. <laughs> no, <laughs> he learns so much, but there's some things he's just not learning. So no.
1: he needs an intercom system and an app.
0: And you don't have to yell, but no. he is, oh, he's. but he is, he has been a great ad They're, They've both been great ads this season, but he is, he is one of my faves. Yes. So this leaves us kind of with the uh, team third tribulation or our bad guys, Steven, they, uh, Dreyfus hit, hit a new level of creepy for me this week.
1: Oh, he absolutely did. And especially in the future, because we see that, you know, he's been in power for a while so he's kind of gotten used to it. And so he's feeling all confident within himself. And, and that's where he screws up because when Laura tells him what's happened and what Jenny was saying, oh, well, Jenny would say anything about them and Laura's mother. And that's when you go, Laura immediately says, well, I didn't say anything about my mom. And she automatically knew that Malcolm had been lying to her, and he goes on and says, "Yeah, he killed all the prisoners, including Crane, and then turns around and gives her a hug,
0: <laughs> yuck,
1: yeah, you <laughs> go yeah ugh. get one of those chills run up the back of your spine, and of course he tries to stop her from time traveling, he was actually going to kill her with his gun, but is not able to.
0: And it was interesting because we watched him try and kill her in the future. The minute, the minute you know, he's, oh, it's like, oh, okay. I couldn't convince her. She's throwaway." Right. And yet when you got back to the present, he did exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. This daughter, yeah. that supposedly he was going to be a great father figure and he could love her. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah.
1: He had uh, a couple of uh, real good lines about um, having Crane uh, end up being a uh, horseman that he can work with that, <laughs> and war. What is it good for? Oh, Absolutely yeah. <laughs> Luke, everything.
0: everything. <laughs> uh, no, that's not how the song goes, Dreyfus. No, <laughs>
1: no, it's not. But uh, and of course, he gets. Um, he was surprised that the avatar of um, war was injured, and of course, Job just says, you know, they hadn't really had time to fully. Um, Integrate so just a little recharging and and you'll have your horseman of war.
0: Yeah, yeah. Toss him back in the co- in the coffin, plug him in, and he'll be good to go in about an hour.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Right,
0: recharge. <laughs> yeah.
1: Dreyfus is getting impatient and kind of pushing Job. Even where's my horseman of uh, death? Hustle, hustle! And
0: uh, did you think that Job looked mildly irritated when he did that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so did. did
0: I. Yeah, I thought he would like to slap him if he had the opportunity.
1: Yes, I would totally agree with that. He was not in any type of mood to be um, hustled along. Now, it was um absolutely creepy to watch Job raise the uh, Hessians with the Draugr stone and get them to charge uh, Headless's axe. And then basically says, "Okay, go do what you will. Destroy Sleepy Hollow."
0: Yeah, I like it when they make him go all demony voice.
1: Yes, <laughs> he's much more, uh, shall we say, uh,
0: very effective,
1: intimidating. Oh, it
0: definitely is that.
1: <laughs> and it was absolutely great to see uh, Job tell Malcolm that war is gone from the coffin. Crane has been freed by his friends, and you. You think for a second that Malcolm is just going to go ballistic.
0: Especially because Job was so calm about it.
1: Right. Like, oh, no big deal. War spirit wasn't destroyed. Although it did get separated from Crane, it can be still be used and recalled. And, of course, we get Henry Parrish, who doesn't pull himself off as being once the Avatar of War. He really doesn't.
0: (laughs) He's got his Mr. Rogers sweater on for crying out loud.
1: And so Job has to kind of prod Malcolm along, saying that, yes, he has been joined with the Avatar of War before, and he's Ichabod's son. And that's where we, I guess because it was ichabod's son that malcolm says okay well let's uh let's go talk about this
0: well i think that i mean henry had to do the convincing you know by saying that they weren't on the same team but he also had that other what that one wonderful line about what something about mortals are so stupid or something like that something to that effect.
1: right yes he um the same basically the same sentence he used with jenny i was conceived out of Ichabod Crane's memories, and as such, I am the son he chose to remember. Uh huh. And then he goes on and tells uh, Dreyfus that, yeah, uh, humans are so gullible or something.
0: I wonder if he was applying that to Malcolm at the same time. Yeah. But I think, but Job, to me, Job would have had to have been the one to vet him. And so, yes. and because Henry was war before, but certainly they had to know that he destroyed Moloch, and so that maybe he can't be trusted. Maybe Job wants Henry to destroy
1: Dreyfus. Yes, that's
0: that's possible. also
1: a very strong possibility.
0: Because Job seemed to take great delight in telling Malcolm that, ah, eh, too bad Crane's gone, too bad so sad, yes. and hesitated before telling him, oh, but I've got a replacement.
1: Right, he wanted to see Dreyfus just smolder. Go- right. What? Everything's been blown.
0: Yeah, I I think that uh, Jeb would definitely like to slap Malcolm around. Yes. There's no love loss there.
1: No. And I think we're actually going to get to see it happen or at least I certainly hope so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I you know, I hope so too. Not that Jeb is much better by the way, but
1: Right. No. Yeah. No. And of course, we finally get to see the four horsemen all at once. And, of course, it's in the future, thankfully. now
0: Knock. I'm knocking on yes. wood as you're saying <laughs> that. But I have a feeling you are just like Jake.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I, too, believe we will see all four together in the next episode. Yeah. And, of course, we do get to see Crane as war, going after Diana and Laura. Of course, he's not successful and is stabbed with the dagger, which of course gets it next to the black goo, which begins bubbling and the jar breaks.
0: It looked like the blob. Uh, yes. They did great CGI <laughs> on that because, you know, all this this black goo was kind of oozing itself over the dagger and, and mingling with the blood and it's just like, that's gross.
1: <laughs> right. But it, it was. It was like the blob. And we get And here's
0: Johnny. Johnny Noble. There's Henry (laughs) Parrish.
1: As awesome as always, because you never know what he's truly thinking.
0: John, And I love that. He's such an amazing actor.
1: He is.
0: And what he does with Henry Parrish slash Jeremy Crane is fantastic. Yes.
1: And he was just as good as he was before there was no difference at all
0: yeah i was really glad that um henry explained how this happened you know that some of his soul was trapped in the black goo right while while crane was thinking about him so his soul was trapped from crane's thoughts which i found to be quite interesting and then when it mingled with crane's blood because that also was the blood of war. And he had been the blood of war. You know, he had been war. Then it was like a whole great big DNA match. I guess it's like making Dolly the sheep. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I we, except we we ended up with, with Henry Parrish slash sure. Jeremy Crane. But it was astounding to watch his face when he realized it. Because as he was putting this together and figuring out how he had been created. Right. Um, and then he realizes... He's looking at all of them. They're not giving him any hints. And he realizes that Ichabod had become the horseman of war, like father, like son, or, you know, or maybe it's the other way around.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But he did give them hints. So the question yes, is, did. and so that's when you go back and forth. When do you trust him or not trust him? Because he's the one who said, hey, listen, there is a decoupling ceremony. But did he give him that information then? So he could become horseman of war. Or did he do it out of the goodness of his own heart? You know, somewhere along the line, does he have his own master plan? Who knows?
1: Right. And Henry has always had his own master plan. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, yes, I could very easily see um, Henry planning on replacing Malcolm in this um, new future that uh, Malcolm is wanting to bring about. So
0: I, I did like how when he was in the Masonic cell. Um, that he was sitting there quoting Shakespeare. Of course. Uh-huh. And how he'd been reborn. Yes. And that all life was precious or something like and that.
1: And Jenny was not buying a word of not it. Not for one second. <laughs> Say, yeah.
0: Or all life was a miracle. That's what he said. All life is a miracle, he said.
1: Right. And yeah. Jenny goes, sorry, much as I want to. I can't trust you. <laughs> not yet.
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll see next week how he got out of there. Yes. It had to be Job.
1: Yes, it it definitely was Job. And, of course, it was great to see the Avatar of uh, War actually show up in the chamber and go after Laura, because you have both sides there. You've got the internal and the external, Mm -hmm. and which is going to win. And it was nice to see that the internal still had enough power over the external. Yes, and he turns around and uses that to save Jenny, Jake, and Alex as well. So that that was something about the Horseman that we did not ever know, and was very very interesting to see.
0: Well, we knew that in Henry was becoming the Horseman. I think when he killed Malik because right. he he did he had control over his avatar, I suppose, because he did send out the the Horseman in in an armor suit, even though he wasn't physically in it. Right. Um, but he did ha- have the ability to come back from the brink and destroy moloch so it i think that it it shows that there is that there's always some hope to pull back from the brink
1: right but of course henry basically says he is the rightful host of
0: the horsemen of war yeah kind of a little competitive spirit it's mine it's mine it's not yours right yeah <laughs> so mhm no, no, Daddy, that, that, it's fine.
1: Yes, so we we will see, and I'm sure Henry will do something that there is absolutely no way we could have ever thought of it, even though we've thought of almost every possibility that could occur.
0: Oh, the writers are so much more brilliant than us. Not, I don't. If, yes. if, <laughs> like we said last week, if anybody had called, the crane would be have have turned into the horseman of war. Then right. nobody ever said it publicly but that was just that was a mind blown moment yes kudos to the writers again another great episode
1: all right shall we move into side notes
0: sure let's do that and i think one of the interesting things we did have uh, our little musical reference courtesy of malcolm dreyfus even though he couldn't get the words right the original (laughs) war song which you know there are so many kiddies out here that are too young to know what that was yeah, this was by Edwin Starr, sung by Edwin Starr. It, it was from 1969, for any of our listeners that might remember it. And um War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely Nothing. And uh, it was a protest song against the Vietnam War at the time. I know that on our Facebook page, uh, Linda uh, went ahead and posted a link out there to the version that had both Bruce Springsteen and uh, Edwin Starr singing it. And I'm going to post in the show notes the also the the original uh, link when it was only Edwin Starr from
1: 1969.
0: Right. A great classic song from an, a classic age.
1: Yes, indeed it was. And our guest cast includes the one, the only John Noble as Henry Parrish, Kamar de la Reyes as Job, and the wonderful Seychelles Gabriel as Laura.
0: Fantastic job by all. Yes,
1: they did a great, great job in this episode. Yes.
0: So should we jump into some theories and prophecies, Steve?
1: Let's do it.
0: All right. Well, I think we were all happy that Crane was released so quickly, but that was sure a lot faster, I think, than many of us believed. Especially, But with two episodes left, I, I guess they kind of had to do it. So like I always say, my theories are always wrong. We're not going to have a big cliffhanger where he still wore.
1: No, it doesn't look that
0: way. But I'm okay with that.
1: (laughs) Right. Now, and of course, there's still all kinds of things that could go crazily wrong in the next episode between Crane and Henry that we still could have a cliffhanger where Crane ends up being the Avatar of War again.
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think we'll have some kind of a tease I don't think they'll make him war again. We just did this. That would be kind of like a rerun. And and I was very satisfied with the way that they showed this as Laura's episode as to what brought her back and to her reaching through that transformation chamber and saving Crane.
1: Right. I definitely agree. But Miss Laura still has um, the Mark of the Beast on her, the symbol of uh, Dreyfus's new empire.
0: And and his little flag. So... So the question is, does she need to be saved? There were a whole lot of biblical references in this episode. And and, and the way that they keep, not overtly, but giving us flashes of that symbol on her right. makes me think that we're supposed to remember this. It's like a little Easter egg hidden away because this is going to come back to haunt us. Right. And and I wonder if if because she's done so many bad things even though she's declaring she's a witness, I have to believe that she's still in danger in some, in some way, and now it's Crane's turn to try and save her.
1: I tend to agree, and I think Crane's probably going to go to any extreme to actually save Laura.
0: I agree. I think that's exactly what he might be doing.
1: Right. Yeah. And that will be an ex- extreme that none of us are going to say, no, 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 no! Don't do that, Crane.
0: Don't yeah, maybe, maybe we'll talk about that in spoilers a little more. Yes. <laughs> just maybe.
1: All right. And which side is Henry on? His side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I agree. He is on his side, and he wants what he believes was taken from him, whatever that might be in his own mind. Right. But yeah, you know, I don't
1: think he will bond with Dreyfus or want to follow dreyfus at all just to become the horseman of war again it's give me war and then i'm on my own
0: and so the question is this little piece of soul that came back though it can't be all of henry it's a piece of henry
1: right and the key is the words how crane chose to remember him
0: yes i am the son that he remembered and he seems to be so amazed by that he said it more than once
1: Yes, and I think that was definitely the writers giving this one of those slaps across the face. This is important. This is important.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was no simple nudge or hint about that one. We have not seen any reconciliation between father and son, and we know from the beginning of the season that that's something that still weighs heavily on on Crane's mind. Yes, it does. And so, to me, that means next week, hopefully, we will. See something that will at least bring Crane some peace. We have to have some resolution to this father-son angst in some way. Right. And with all the heartbreak he's had so far, I find it difficult to believe that they would do that to Crane again. But you never know.
1: Right. It will be a surprise no matter what it is. Because <laughs> M. Raven is writing this one. So strap yourself in, folks.
0: Yep. Now, I thought that this episode and and quite a bit this season has been about rebirth. And they mentioned rebirth and being born again a couple, you know, several times. And if you look at the season, we've had a rebirth of Sleepy Hollow without Abby, a rebirth of Crane's life in Washington, D.C. now with a brand new team. Everyone is new except for Jenny. A rebirth of a witness relationship. Right. And we talked earlier about young Molly pulling Crane back from the brink this season, as Laura just did in this episode. Right. We've we just watched adult Molly, Laura, kind of have a rebirth and come back to the side of good once she realized that Dreyfus was a liar and he was evil. We saw Crane reborn as the horseman of war and then he was saved. Henry has been reborn from black goo. (laughs) Dreyfus was reborn as an immortal, which is not necessarily a good thing. No. Then he turned around and he said that all birth is a miracle. And maybe in a way that's what some of the all the Writers, the actors, the production staff, the crew, everyone who's been involved with Sleepy Hollow, maybe that they feel that that was a rebirth for them. It was a this was a second chance on a show that everybody called dead a year ago.
1: Exactly, and that
0: a lot of people wanted dead a year ago.
1: Yes, even more. (laughs) Yes,
0: it almost feels that this was. Hey, this is our way of saying, hey, look, we know we got this chance. We're so glad that all of you have come along on this ride with us. We hope you've enjoyed it because this was the second chance. Yes. So that's what we like. And
1: the show has actually come back around to being about family.
0: Exactly.
1: And that is what has always been kind of at the very core of this show since the beginning is it's always been about family. People hated Katrina when she got too involved you know, was brought in and got too involved in getting between Crane and Abby and Henry Some people didn't like Henry being involved either, but it really is about family, and it sure looks like we're at a point where we feel pretty good about the strength of this new family.
0: And it isn't necessarily just your blood relatives. It's the people with whom you have a special bond.
1: Right, which makes it all the more special. It's so good to see Crane being able to find a group that he can feel that way with. Without Abby, because that really tore him up. It did. And he could have very easily just kind of gone off and disappeared himself and said, forget everything and went down a very dark trail. But he didn't.
0: And hopefully Jenny will see the purpose and the value of that and realize that this truly is her family. We've had some discussion. Wow. Is she really going to leave the show? Um, or is this right. something that the writers are just doing to mess with us? And honestly, I don't have the foggiest idea. I've gone out looking on social media, but I can't find anything that would, would give me any hints one way or another. Right. And Yeah, we
1: haven't seen any announcements that she's going to be a star of a new series, uh, maybe entitled Artifact Hunter.
0: Yeah, Jenny Mills, <laughs> Artifact Hunter. So I think we'd podcast about that, wouldn't we, Steve, if that happened? Oh,
1: absolutely Absolutely.
0: Would. And maybe that's... Part of it is that she's realizing that this is her family. This is her grounding. She doesn't have to run away anymore. She's changed so much from the first season. And we talked about that, uh, what, I think, last episode, the episode before this. Right. About how strong that she's become, even as her family was ripped apart. And she didn't want to see that happen to Diana and to Molly. And hear how she's being a, a teacher to Jake and to Alex. And so maybe she'll find her her peace as well. Right. I hope we so. We certainly hope so, yes. Because we definitely want season five, and we want them all around. Yes, we do. All right, so Steve, at least there there was some humor in this episode, so what kind of um witty witnessisms did we have this week?
1: All right, one of the nice little talks with uh, Laura and Diana where Laura goes, I don't know what's to come in the future, and Diana, Diana comes back and says, welcome to the club. <laughs> when Jake talks about the Horseman of War, he goes, look, they're not the Fab Four yet.
0: I know. Shout out to the Beatles. Yay. It was all about music.
1: <laughs> yes. When they meet Henry, probably the one of, one of the greatest lines of the episode, Diana goes, this is Crane's son? He's kind of old. And Jenny goes, tell that to your grown daughter over there. <laughs> and Diana goes, point taken. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Henry's best line, like father, like son. Or is it the other way around? Uh, Yeah. Trust me, we can't do it like we did it with him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Diana, oh, how did I know we were gonna get dragged back there, one way or the other, without going back back to Sleepy Hollow? Gotta go back to (laughs) Sleepy Hollow. (laughs) And uh, another one of Jenny's great lines: Unless anyone has any better ideas than the jar of goo, referring to Henry and. Their need to return to Sleepy Hollow, and of course, another wise crack at um, Henry from Jenny. Your track record as the good son is a bit spotty.
0: Uh, yeah, just <laughs> you yeah, think, just a bit.
1: <laughs> and of course, once they find out, they got to fight the undead. Jay goes, "Well, knowing our track record, I'm guessing it's something that will give your nightmares nightmares."
0: <laughs> and it did.
1: Yes. And of course, one of Diana's good lines back in the car with uh, adult Molly, think you have it all under control. And then one day, a 250-year-old British guy shows up and tells you that your little daughter is a biblically prophesized witness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you've had stories? Well, and of course, Jake, undead, kind of like zombies. Jenny goes, exactly like zombies. What did I tell you? Nightmares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Jay goes, so zombie Hessians are going to wipe out Sleepy Hollow. Jenny, that's what the undead usually do, try to finish their unfinished business. And after they finish beating the first wave, Jay goes, messing with the Hessians, am I right? I huh? Jenny, shh, Alex, you had to say something.
0: Of course you did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I loved um, how um, Laura goes, mom always said you had a flair for the dramatic. After Mm. Crane shows up and Crane goes, yes, well, your mother is incorrigible. Yeah, nice. (laughs) And of course, Molly goes, so why are we still here? Not that the inside of your psyche isn't comfy and all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Had to go back.
1: Yes, unfortunately, she did. All right. Any history lesson for this week, Barb?
0: Well, you know, we really didn't have too much history. We had a lot of callbacks to prior episodes, though. Oh, Um, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, we did have a couple of references to prayer history lessons, which included the use of the Hessian troops in the American Revolutionary War, which we covered in um, Season 3, Episode 7 episode, The Art of War. And then we were also introduced to General Howe, who was the leader of some of these men, in Season 3, Episode 2, Whispers in the Dark, and then also again in Season Three Episode 5, which was the Bones crossover event we spoke about earlier, Dead Men Tell No Tales. And that's where we covered the Great Fire of New York in that crossover. And that was, of course, our very first encounter with Greek fire. We did see a a new weapon that we talked about, and that was the the Vajra, which Jenny used in the opening scenes. Uh, The Vajra is the weapon of Indra, the chief among the gods, and is a type of club with a ribbed spherical head. Its roots are in the Indian religion, and it's found in Buddhism, Jainism, and Hinduism. Now, this weapon is used to symbolize both the indestructible properties of a diamond and the irresistible force of a thunderbolt from the Vedic rain and the thunder deity Indra. And it's used to represent firmness of spirit and spiritual power. I'm going to include a link in the show notes, but we did watch Jenny use it in the future on the four horsemen. And I have to think that this may come back into play in the next episode, because it may be perhaps one thing that can kill the horsemen. If Henry doesn't do it first. Right. mm -hmm.
1: Because it did uh, knock one of the horsemen off their horse.
0: It (laughs) did. And it was pretty cool looking too.
1: Yes, it was. I go, Hmm, who went to the future to bring that back?
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Because as far as we know, they don't have it in their possession right now. They've never used it before that I could find in a, any of the Sleepy Hollow episodes. Right. So this is, a, this is a future weapon. And so I'm thinking, okay, you go, girl, Jenny. You go get this thing.
1: Right. That may be the thing that she has to go find.
0: Yeah, maybe so. But not for her other gig. Right. All right, so Steve, there was a lot of feedback again this week.
1: Oh, yes, there was. And we're going to start with our audio feedback from Bestie Justina, and here she is.
2: Hi, Barb and Steve. Oh, my goodness, that was another fantastic episode of Sleepy Hollow. I know some people were pretty skeptical when this season was starting, when we found out we would have a new team and be in a new location But this is shaping up to be one of the best seasons of Sleepy Hollow yet. And even though I really regret that next week is the season finale, because I love this show and I feel like it just started, I am really respecting this decision for the shortened season, because this story has been so nice and tight. Every episode super exciting. I knew Molly could save Crane. I just knew it. I think that's why there's always two witnesses. So that they can be each other's anchor through all this supernatural craziness. And can always be there for each other. And what a creative way to bring Jeremy back. Those writers are geniuses. I would have never thought of that. And how delightfully evil is John Noble right now. He is totally evil, but I just can't help it. I love his acting. My favorite part of the episode? Watching Ichabod take down those zombie Hessians. That part was totally amazing. Now on to the Twitter question Will Crane and Jeremy still be connected to war? Yes, I do think that Crane will always be connected to the horseman. I think that Molly helped Ichabod overcome the horseman's control on his soul, but I wouldn't be surprised if Crane is left with an extra power or, or supernatural ability due to his contemporary connection to the horseman of war. And the fact that he's also been connected to the horseman of death, though so I do believe that Crane and the Horseman will be connected forever. This episode gets ten out of ten sons Crane Chose to Remember. Have a great week.
1: Yeah, Justina, I cannot argue with you at all as this season is shaping up to be one of the best sleepy hollow seasons yet.
0: Yeah, she said that she thought this was a very tight story, and she knew that Molly could save Crane, or Laura, I guess is what we need to call her, and how they were each other's anchor. And so Molly's been an anchor for Crane twice as we discussed this, so you know what? It may need to go the other way.
1: Yeah, and she was really impressed with the creative way to bring Jeremy back, and we couldn't agree more (laughs) that the writers are absolute geniuses
0: they really are and she loved watching crane take down the zombies which we all liked that
1: (laughs) yes we did
0: (laughs) especially when he turned back to crane at the end yes yeah
1: all right we got some facebook feedback as well
0: yep julie g said i give it nine crystal chrysalises they sure wrapped up the save crane plot fast uh yeah we thought so too I was expecting maybe at least two eppies for that, but I'm glad we got our Captain Brown beard back in one piece, more or less. I knew that was Henry in the jar of goo. Yeah, We all knew now. (laughs) I'm going to go back and change whatever I wrote before. John Noble was awesome, as always. Now that he's joined Team Malcolm, I hope that means he'll be back for more if we get a fifth season. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Malcolm right now. I love Jeremy Davies acting, but I hate Malcolm for being such a slimy creep, especially with Molly and Laura. I think we can all get on board with that.
1: Yes. And Linda sent us the link to the Edward star Bruce Springsteen, YouTube version of the song war. We appreciate that Linda.
0: Yeah. Just come to the Facebook page guys and you can find it there. Um, Annette said, glad we have crane back, but don't trust Henry. Well, that's, and I think that's everybody is kind of very leery of Henry right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, and they have every right because Henry is only for Henry.
0: That he is.
1: <laughs> All right. We want to thank the admins at the following Sleepy Hollow Facebook pages for letting us post notifications on our of our podcasts and the following members that have liked those posts. Uh, we did one of these last year, but we still want to thank them for continuing to let us um, Host our podcast over there. First from the Sleepy Hollow fan group, Terry Jones, Claudio Rubellini, Larkin Walken, and Shannon Kadian From the Sleepy Hollow fan site, Emily Bitton, Anne-Marie Wagner, Bethany MGL, Daniel Gary Defoe, Giselle Smith, Josiah Miller, Janet Ortiz, Constant Boss, Karen Brown, Angelique Denowitz, Sarah Roberts, Gail Moyer, and Julie Locke. Especially like Appreciate the likes, the loves, and the comments.
0: Because we're all sleepyheads together.
1: Yes, we we're are. We're a
0: big family.
1: All right. And our Twitter, Facebook question of the week, are Crane and Henry still connected as war?
0: And Julie G said, I think so. Being bonded with a demonic being of any kind has to leave some sort of trace on a person's soul. I even think that Jenny may have a teensy trace left from when Antiseph possessed her. If once has taught me anything, and I'm going to say that's once upon a time.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: It's that when someone goes to the dark side, it leaves a dark spot on your heart and soul. It's not something anyone can recover from so easily.
1: Very nice, Julie.
0: I agree with her.
1: Yes. And Justina, of course, from her audio feedback, thinks Crane will be connected to war. Molly helped him overcome control, but thinks he will be left with a supernatural power or ability due to his connection.
0: And Annette says, yes, I think so. And I have to agree. I think, I think there's going to be some connection between the two of them as well. This new Henry was born from Crane's memories, and they both have ridden as war, and I, I have to believe that they're still connected.
1: Yes, and that will prove to be very interesting. Yes. And... Of course, Twitter was absolutely explosive this week, like it was the previous week. So thank you all. We want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook, and thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interactions. And we got a list this week of shout outs. Sleepy Hollow Fox, Sleepy Hollow Riders, M. Raven Metzner, Philip Isco, Sleepy Hollow Attic, Sleepy Hollow Mexico, Sleepy Hollow Hub, Tom Misson Fans, Tiffany T, Deb K. Lawrence Griffin, Winch, Nancy, Justine, Pam Woods, Huo Smith, Susan, Mary Powers, Annette Nugget, Natalia Borisova, Peace, Love, and Hope, Emily Bryan, AC Life, Natalie Curran, Joyce Williams, Queen of the Nerds, Entertainment Tonight, Michelle McKeever, Tomboy for Life, Debbie Lamb, Shannon Walliger, Wonder Woman, My Info, Love Joseph, Lance B, Vera Hines, VLJH, Polly T, L. Knuckles, Danny, Little Jovi Girl, John Ramos Kyle, Penny Ellington, Judy, Donna Kittle, Julie Miller, Rebecca Mary, Julie Costa, The Traveling Foodie, WTS Fan, Edster, Deborah McComber, Molly McLaughlin, Justina, Linda TB, Julie G, Emma W, Patricia Reynolds, Pearl Bailey, Kathy Chelson, Sheila, Melanie Boys, and Dada.
0: And if we've forgotten anyone, forgive us. Forgive us Please. our lack of typing skill sets. There were so many.
1: <laughs> yes. How are they get a hold of us, Barb?
0: Okay, a couple different ways you guys can get in touch with us. Our voicemail number is 304 2278 or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, where you can use the SpeakPipe widget on the side of the page to record audio, or you can typey-typey out your feedback on the form, and you can even attach audio feedback. Now, our feedback deadline is... Sunday at four p m eastern, yes. I think yes, miss. and next week is going to be it, guys, so make sure you get it in. You can also get in touch with us on witness prophecies on facebook uh on, we're on twitter at witness prof g s m and Steve is at Sal your Steve, and I am at tangier fourteen
1: All right, we've come to that part of the podcast where we discuss visions of future, so if you don't want to be spoiled. On the
0: finale... Run. Run as if Hessian zombies are chasing you and you just ran out of Greek fire.
1: All right, episode 13, Freedom. Alliances are tested on the all-new season finale of Sleepy Hollow. Dreyfus finally garners enough power to infiltrate the White House, and his group of minions grow strong enough to take action. Can Team Witness stop Dreyfus in time? We shall see.
0: If he's taking over the White House, that may mean that he um, has killed the president, and maybe Headless has a head. Right. Maybe.
1: Maybe. <laughs> maybe.
0: John Noble's going to be back,
1: and Seychelles Gabriel will be back, and we will actually also see Ona Yaffe as Molly. So, will they? Um, will adult Molly and kid Molly interact or not?
0: Yeah, that's that's still that whole timey-wimey thing that we haven't quite figured <laughs> out yet. But we were given a yes. couple hints on it.
1: Yes. All right. Albert Kim tweeted on Saturday, The finale was written to be a satisfying end to the season, but still leave threads to follow for the future.
0: So that's why I'm that's thinking Dreyfus is going to get taken out.
1: Yep. I have a feeling that is probably true.
0: Yes. Well, then he also gave an interview in uh, TV Line. And that was on the 24th. And it said, Sleepy Hollow EP teases Henry's role in Finale, Crane's Ultimate Challenge. And I'm not going to include the link in the show notes because I don't want people to be spoiled if they don't wish to be. So Albert Kim talking about Henry Parrish. By the end of the episode, you realize he is much more the holistic version of Henry than you know and that Crane has always known. He's both good Henry and bad Henry and all the complexities that Henry represents. And then in the next episode, which will be the last one, we have a couple of amazing scenes between Tom Meissen and John Noble where Crane, who knows Henry better than almost anyone, senses who this character is, who this person is, and tries to reach out to the person he knows in his heart is there. That would be, I guess, good Henry. Right. Their dramatic question we pose in the episode is, will that work? Is this the Henry that's going to respond to that? Or is this some purely evil spirit incarnation of Henry? And then he said, Henry prides himself on being a few moves ahead of everyone else. How will he do working alongside Malcolm, who is very similar? Kim said, that's a really good point, And it forms quite an important part of episode 13 because Henry, as we've seen in the past, doesn't do well responding to authority. In a way, he's a lot like Crane. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And then they asked, tell me something good about the finale. And Albert Kim said, it's the first time we see the four horsemen of the apocalypse in action in the real world. Because remember, in episode 12, we saw them in the future. Right. So they are actually, for the first time, galloping on Earth. We see how powerful they are and what they can do, which is, you know, it's not going to be anything good. Right. Right. That represents essentially the ultimate challenge for our team. It's something that not even back in Seasons 1 and 2 that Crane and Abby had faced. They had one or two of the horsemen, but this is the full team riding and under Dreyfus's control. So that's a big thing, just in terms of action and plot. And then they also give a little hint about why we'll learn what the motto of our country is. And I think that's going to be my history lesson for next week, maybe. Because yes, I'm sure there's going to be some history so. in that one.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Albert Kim was busy. He gave another interview, this one, to TV Insider. Sleepy Hollow's boss on the trip show's trip to the future and season finale teases. And I thought this was interesting because I think they probably had to cut this from from the script for lack of time. Right. As for why Molly eventually took the name Laura, and he said, we did talk about it in the writer's room, and I think it was in at least one version of the script. It was Dreyfus's mother's name. He renamed her as a way to sever all of her ties to her past life, which, you know, we talked about that. I'm sure she embraced Mm -hmm. and that would make sense. Can you imagine? I'd like to name you after my mother. Would you take that name? Uh, You know, oh, you know, and you're my new daddy. Yes, of course, I will do that for you. You saved me. Right. Yuck. The moral of the story is you can't do this alone and you can't win this alone. And that's something our team is learning as well. You'll see it play out more in episode 13, Only Working Together, which in the finale is the greatest evil they've ever faced, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And Dreyfus is all about the power of the individual. It's his way and no one else's. Crane is all about democracy and the power of the people and family. It is those two things that are pitted against each other. So I think that's going to be very good. Yes. And, I and you know, we saw what happened to Jenny when she was out there pretty much all alone after she told everyone else to run, and the horsemen took her down in the in the future version. Right. So the four horsemen, I think, are going to be quite a threat. And then they asked, now that history has changed, is Laura's time in the present day limited? Because we all think she should have gone poof and disappeared, right? Right. No, the version of time travel we do on the show is that once you go back to the past and you start changing things... You start a new timeline. They're on a new timeline now. It's not one of those time travel shows where if little Molly gets a cut on her hand, a grown (laughs) Molly has a scar.
1: Scar. (laughs) They're
0: now two different people. So this is more like a parallel universe in a strange way. Right. This is time travel like Terra Nova. That was a great show. It only lasted one season. Yes. We're now in a different timeline than Laura had as her reality. So is she stuck in this timeline now that things did shift? And apparently she is going to explain if that's the case in the finale. Mm. Um, So we could have in a season five, we could have this adult Laura, who then would be someone with whom Crane could fight side by side the demons and the the enemies in another tribulation. Exactly. But that would be really weird. Hi. Hi, Molly. I'm your older sister older you i wonder how you would explain that
1: (laughs) i don't know if she even would try
0: i don't know but that would make it very interesting indeed and and it could change the dynamics of the team a bit quite a bit so we'll have to see all we can do is hope we get a, a fifth season unless laura dies in the finale so who knows they could do anything to us all right, Henry seemingly con team witness into believing he was a good guy. Should we take him at his word by the end of the episode? And what else can you preview about his arc in the finale? And so Kim said, what's missing in episode 12 is the actual face-to-face between Henry and Crane because of the circumstances they were in. In episode 13, we're going to get the really meaty scenes between Henry and Crane, both in a supernatural setting and the real world. That's where you'll learn which way Henry ends up going. There's a lot between the two of them. And it says, now that Laura saved Crane, what can you preview about Team Witness as they go into this big battle? And Kim said, it sets the stage for everything that is going to come in the finale. Thing that Laura goes through. She has to learn the lesson. She can't do it by herself. She needs to work with her family. That's also something that was set up for Team Witness for the 13th episode. So that's why I think, come on, Jenny, stay, kid. That's something we've been playing with all season long, and it comes to fruition in the finale. So we'll see. And the question is, for any of us who may have seen those previews, is what deal indeed is Crane willing to make? And is that to save Laura, or is that to save Henry, or is it to save both of them? Right. And is that our season five potential story
2: setup? Right. Yeah.
1: And if you want to catch up on some of the great Season 1 and Season 2 stories and monsters, pick up a copy of Sleepy Hollow Creating Heroes, Demons, and Monsters, the official making of book by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry. Please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. that helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To so subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes. Tell your friends, and we hope you're enjoying our podcast. This is Steve, and before I fully disengage from the horseman, I want to use his power for one final deed.
0: And this is Barb signing out, and remember, it is a wise father that knows his own child.
1: See you next week, sleepyheads.